Hey, sisters and brothers, I have a new sponsor, my friends Gary and Mary Lou from AlkalineWaterSoGood.com. They are international Kangen water distributors. Kangen water is delicious water created from Enagic's innovative water technology. Enagic is a 56-year-old Japanese company with 40 offices in 23 countries, including an office in Manila and eight offices in the U.S. And it is the leading manufacturer of alkaline ionizers and water filtration machines in the world. Not only do these devices filter your tap water, but they also produce ionized alkaline and acidic waters through electrolysis. These waters can be used for various purposes, including drinking, cooking, beauty, and cleaning. Can you imagine never buying bottled water again? The plastic and bottled water often contains BPA and other chemicals, which are proven to be hazardous to your health. And how much fun is it lugging cases of it from the market, recycling it, and you know, plastic is an environmental nightmare. According to Gary, it's also a great way to add an additional income stream. He's been selling machines for over 12 years internationally, and everyone needs the healthiest water in the world. So folks, if you have any questions about Kangen Water, check out their website at alkalinewatersogood.com. That's alkalinewatersogood.com. Or you can email them at gary at garyballin.com. Gary Ballin with two L's dot com. You're listening to the Wolf's Den Radio Show. Talk. Hello, sisters and brothers. Once again, this is WDRS Talk, the Wolf's Den Radio Show Talk. Thank you for joining me. I am your host, Wolf Hamora, and uh, it is episode 16 on this uh, humble podcast of mine. And uh, it is going to be another chapter of Stories from the Road. Um, and it is a, uh, a, um, a program that I do every other week. Uh, in between um, interviews, uh, interview episodes. And uh, so I hope you have been listening to the podcast. This uh, story is going to be a pretty long one. And uh, before I get to it, <clears throat> I just want to uh, um, thank the sponsors again, Gary Ballin and Kangen Water. Um, so do check them out. You heard the ad at the top of the show. So please, please check them out. Those um, those water filters are really, really good, and uh, it's it's great for your home. So check them out. Um, aside from that, uh, some good news that my patient, I'm a caregiver, so my patient, um, she got her first um, her first uh, vaccine for uh, for the coronavirus, uh, the Pfizer. And um, we went to a, uh, a university called Soka University, and they converted their their gym into a um, not really triage, but you know, um, dispensing dispensing station for for the for the for the for the vaccine. It was really well organized. Uh, we had to walk a little bit, but because it it was on a campus. Uh, but it was so efficient. We got out of there from the moment we registered and she got her injection plus all the walking probably took about 
20 minutes uh, or maybe 25 so you know really efficient and uh, if you uh, if you uh, if you can get your vaccine already go ahead and do it it's the best way to fight coronavirus when everyone gets their vaccine and if you're living in the states go check out this website called Othena O-T-H-E-N-A dot com Othena dot com and you can schedule um, your vaccination there Um, even though you're not uh, 65 and above uh, you can still get in there so so you can you know, have your name waiting in line so when it's it's time for your age bracket then and uh, you're set to go so check it out othena.com and please continue to uh, be vigilant against coronavirus you know wash your hands uh, hand sanitizer wear that mask and of course boost your immune system take vitamin C vitamin D take zinc turmeric all that good stuff, you know, to uh, help you uh, boost your immune system. Drink lots of water, lots of liquid, and uh, try not to eat too much sugar. So, anyway, that's all the business before the stories. I'm not sure if there's anything else that I wanted to mention. Not really. Um, just that... Um, yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, there are other podcasts there produced by Fil- other Filipinos. So please do check them check them out. There is the Pinoy Rock podcast by uh, my uh, my good friend uh, Tolitz, and uh, he goes by DJ Tulisan, and uh, he has a really great podcast. You should check it out, Pinoy Rock podcast um, on Spotify, and also Paco's Place. Produced by, uh, hosted by Paco Aras Pacochaga, good friend of mine too, from back in the day. And uh, he has a great podcast. It's uh, over on YouTube and also Spotify. So check him out, Paco's Place. So please support all these Pinoy podcasts. And also, I think Perf de Castro has a podcast as well, but it's more instructional, guitar instructional. So do check him out as well. So support Pinoy podcasts everywhere they are, even if they're in in the Philippines or if they're in Europe. Just as long as it's a Filipino expressing himself, it's always a good thing to support that. All right, here we go. Stories from the road, part five. I think it's part five already. Um, and this one is Wolfgang in Japan. When we signed to Sony Music in 1996, the the only factor that we told the managing director, Wally Chamsey, for us to sign with Sony was, can you take us international? Can Can you promote our music so much that it will reach um, people from outside the Philippines? And he said yes, and that's why Wolfgang signed with Sony Music. So we did our Semenelan album. That was the first Sony album of Wolfgang. And then the third album is Verm, the concept album. And uh, so Wally invites us to Sony Music to give us some good news. And the good news is is that there was a Sony Music 
conference happening in 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 Tokyo and that there would be a showcase of all the the representatives of each Asian country that had Sony music in it so pretty much all of uh, Southeast Asia um, as well as China excuse me um, was going to send uh, an artist or a band over to Tokyo for that showcase and um you know, we were we. Uh, you know, of course, Wally decided that Wolfgang would be the one to represent Sony Music Philippines, and the prize of that showcase is that whoever was chosen by Sony Music Japan, they would release the album. They would release the album of that artist. So we were very excited. It's like fuck yeah. Let's do this. We're going to Japan. You know, man, this is like the first international trip of Wolfgang. And, you know, we did it through our music. We did it through the help of Sony Music and Wally and all of the people there who, who worked there back back then. And, um, yeah, so I think um, the other countries that were going to be involved were uh, Indonesia, Malaysia, China. Thailand, Singapore, and I think another one, maybe Vietnam. Uh, yeah, Vietnam was there. Vietnam sent a, sent a coalition as well. So, um, I don't really remember much of getting there because it's all a blur. Because I, I just remember um, that from the airport, we had to take a train to get to a bus station and then our and then our our our, um, our transportation i don't really remember but the trip to the airport from the from the airport to our hotel in uh in tokyo was it was just eye opening you know when you when you live and grow up in a third world country you know when you when you go to a first world country like japan and you see all the the uh, you know what it's like to live there and it's it was just amazing you know all high tech um, it was the first time I ever saw those um, those car the brand uh, autom- automobile brand Ion and it, it, it it's a car that looks like a toaster so I was like oh shit look at that it's a toaster on wheels uh, I'm sure Americans have seen that car I don't think they've, they've ever had those cars in the Philippines but um, yeah it's a funny looking car and and you see all these things in 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 Japan that are, are great, you know, modern, high tech, and just really cool, man. So anyway, um, we get to I think we we arrive on Friday or Saturday, and I think the showcase was the same evening, so we didn't we didn't really stay you know overnight before the show. Um, so we stayed in one hotel. I really don't remember this first trip so much. I, I remember the the performance and all, but uh, anything else I, I forget. But um, so we we um, all the artists shared uh, transportation. So it was like a, a big, not really a uh, not really a full bus, but um, you know um, a multi multi person uh, vehicle. 
uh, not as huge as a bus, but pretty big. And all the artists were there, and we we weren't really um, uh, conversing with anybody. Um, so we get to the venue, and it's a really nice uh, concert hall. No chairs. It's re uh, it's more like a uh, a conference hall. Um, with a and they put a stage on it and and of course the the back line and and the sound system and all of that of course it was high tech um i brought my own cymbals and my own snare drum i remember that and it was just a very simple drum set that everybody shared and um so we get there we meet the head honchos of sony music japan my gosh these guys are fucking the big shots of Sony music, you know, and um, it was cool, you know, I mean, Japanese, I mean, the people, we weren't really friendly with the, with the other artists because um, not everybody spoke English, you know, as you can understand, other Asian countries, they don't really speak uh, English as well as Filipinos do. But anyway, aside, from, uh, you know, uh, of course, they do speak English, but hey, whatever, but we we weren't really friendly with the other bands at at that at at the first of course you know strangers um so we do our set i think it we were not really the first i think we were in the middle and we do our set and it was a set of five songs and we do soft stuff from semenolin and some maybe i think we do sanctified and then bought and sold and probably of course we didn't do any of the Tagalog songs um, and I'm not sure what else we played but we played five songs felt good we gave it our all you know uh, represented the Philippines and then we got down and the next band came up and then so after the whole showcase everyone was hanging out outside the, the hall and you know drinks were abound um, that was the first time I ever tasted Asahi beer earphones fell oh yeah that was the first time i i uh, i i drank asahi beer strong ass beer if i'm sure everybody out there has already tried asahi strong beer and it loosened everybody up because uh everybody all the bands all the when when the you know when the whole showcase was over i guess everybody was relieved that their job was done it's like work is done you know I'm sure everyone was nervous going in there. Um, but now that the whole thing was, you know, that the whole thing was over, it's in the hands of Sony Music Japan. Now it's just time to party. And we did party a bit. We drank and then got loose and then um, started being friendly with the other bands, you know, the other band members, other artists. Some of them knew how to speak English, but barely, really barely. And 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 the Chinese people they spoke zero english at all so i don't know i don't think we even tried <laughs> but when we got back into the bus to go back to the hotel everybody was laughing and and shouting and just hollering and no one was really speaking english i mean ex except for the guys from wolfgang you know but i guess i guess the other people could understand but not speak but i don't know the alcohol just made it easier for everybody to just hang out and laugh and be friendly 
it was it was really it was a really good and positive thing that all these Asian people who have totally different cultures from one another were there and the binding connection was music and at the end of the day when work was finally done when we did our jobs everyone was friendly to one another it's like you know it's like hey man we we were all we're all lucky to be here and good luck to anyone who gets this so i don't really remember um the trip back home the first japan trip anyway what i do remember is that we got picked and uh and that was exciting news again from wally we got picked worm verm was going to be released in japan and we were going to go to japan to promote it to do a to do a you know a promotional tour and this was just we were over the moon and this time this was going to be a week long uh a, a totally week long um event because we had two shows to do uh the first show would be in osaka and uh, on the first saturday we got there and the second show would be the next saturday in tokyo and in between saturday and Sa- and the, the first show and the second show it's all press it's all press my gosh people i have never talked to so much professional press in my I mean, music press in my life and i never i never and after that i never had it was amazing um but anyway um let me let me pedal back a bit i'm getting ahead of myself here in the story so so i think uh the trip was for july in of 1998 and uh uh we got to uh, of course we board the plane and um aside from wolfgang we had our manager at the time and we also had uh, our roadie glen cornelio um we were allowed to take one um uh, technician with us and glen was the all-around guy he was a guitarist but of course he knows how to play bass he also understands drums so um so he was the best guy to bring um of all the roadies and roadie sync so it was going to be an exciting adventure and uh we get to uh we get to Osaka that is the first uh, destination and we are we're driven from the airport to our hotel which is in downtown Osaka well not no not downtown Osaka but the business district of Osaka <clears throat> so a lot of tall buildings and and it was i think friday so i noticed that the streets streets were empty um it's like well i guess it's like the business district so it's like i would compare it to you know makati makati business district and you know on a, on 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 the weekdays sorry my my earphones are falling out on the weekends i mean there's hardly anyone there because there's no work there's no office right so it's it's the same thing and uh 
So we get to our hotel, and I think our handler, man, I forget his name. He was a really cool guy. Um, I'm going to put his name on the description, so so check it out. I can't remember it right now. But anyway, um, so our handler, he leaves us in uh, the hotel to for us to, you know, to rest a bit. I think it was a two-hour break, and... He said he'll come back for us and then we can go and explore the city and do all the fun stuff. So us being, you know, this is the first time in Tokyo. is like, rest? We're not going to rest. <laughs> like, so we do, we just check in the hotel. And, um, you know, I guess we, we just freshen up a bit and maybe lie down a bit. And then, and then everyone's like, hey, man, you know, we're hungry. Let's go. Let's go find some food, man. So we go out. And we start walking and uh, through the streets of of uh, Osaka Business District, and um, we couldn't find anything. We were just walking and walking and walking, and there was no one out. There was nobody out. It was the weirdest thing. Um, there was nobody. <laughs> there was nobody out. It was like, where the fuck is everybody? And we couldn't find any restaurant. We couldn't find any cafe. We saw one sign, one neon, really small neon sign that said bar. And it's like, well, it's not, there's not going to be food in that bar, you know. There's, you know, Japanese don't eat while they drink, <laughs> you know, and when they drink liquor. But anyway, so um, we keep on walking, 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 walking. And we're like, fuck this, man. There's nobody here. There's no fucking restaurants anywhere. So we go, we walk back to the hotel. And um, we wait for our handler to come back, and he picks us up again in after two hours. And I think, and we don't even get in the car, and then we go walking again. And then he's like, "Let's go, let's have some, uh, let's have some lunch." And you're like, "Dude, we went out, and there's nothing here." And, and this is a Japanese guy, so. And then one thing to to I have to remind you people, I have to tell you people, that. All of the people in in Sony Music who were going to work directly with the band and the and Wally learned how to speak English just for that. Let that sink in. Whoever was going to be in direct contact with the band, our handler, one of them. They had to. They had to learn how to speak English, at least very basic English, so that so they, they could communicate. My gosh, it was amazing because he spoke English. It wasn't fluent. He had an accent, but we could understand each other. And then you know we were like, oh, that. It was only after the fact that Wally Chamsey uh, uh, told us this. So anyway, we go. We walk. And we're like, you know what? And you're like, in my mind, you're like, yeah, dude, there's nothing here, man. We already tried it, <laughs> being fucking smartass. In my mind. And then we get to this um, staircase that's going, that leads down, downward. This is from the street, you know, street level. And then I look down and like, oh, shit. And we keep on going. There's like two flights of steps going down. And when we got to the bottom... It was all there. 
it was all there underground it everybody who was supposed to be up on the ground on street level they were underground because everything was underground so probably all these buildings around us uh, in 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 business district you know you, you could go down all the way down to the basement and then when you get out the elevator it's a whole fucking city down there and it's bustling it's like i'm amazed i'm like what the fuck is this because above ground on street level it's so quiet there's nobody out there it's quiet you could hear birds chirping but when you when we got underground man everybody was there everybody was it was all restaurants and shops and people in business attire coming home from, you know coming and going from the office and so fuck man so we get into one of the restaurants we have this awesome japanese meal and and then we go back to the hotel you know and and we're like it's and, and this hotel this hotel that we stayed in in osaka was really nice and so anyway uh that was the first um eye opener for uh, of japan and uh, so the 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 show was i think the next day i mean not the next day but the same day because it was a saturday we got there on saturday so uh it was going to be at tower records in osaka and mind you tower records is still alive in japan especially in tokyo i don't know about osaka but in tokyo there's still a, an eight story building that sells all kinds of music there so check it out um anyway so but this time this first gig wasn't going to be a full band show it was going to be an acoustic show and uh, with manuel on acoustic guitar and basti on vocals and it was going to be a five song three to five song set in in the store and it was great you know we got there um Tower Records in Osaka. I would love to go back to Osaka. We we just stayed there for a. We just I, I think it was just overnight, and uh, I would love to go back there. So uh, we set up, and the one thing that is great about Japanese people that I noticed is that if there's a happening, I mean a serious. I mean if they, this is what I observed. You know, when we got there, there was already uh, the 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 amps and the and the house speakers were already set up, and then Manuel brought his acoustic guitar out and he was sound checking and they did a a quick sound check with Basti, and there were already fans. I mean, not fans, but I mean people uh, who were in the store who were like, "Oh, look, there's a band going to set up. There's a band going to play, so we're gonna just hang out and check them out." So. And they didn't. They didn't wait until we started. They weren't shy. They were just there, right in front of us, you know, um, uh, right in front of the stage already, while soundcheck was going. And yeah, there were mostly uh, young young women, which was great. Of course, you always want to attract young women when when you're playing in a band. And and then Manuel and Basti they start their set. Uh, you would. Um, you would imagine they would play songs like Center of the Sun, She Is My Cane, uh, stuff that can be pulled off um, as a guitar duo. I mean, a guitar, a, a duo with uh, acoustic guitar. Um, 
and they did well. It was really well received, even though the Japanese people there, you know, the, the, the crowd that gathered, they, you know, they did not know who we were. They did not know who we were. And they didn't care. They were just interested. It's a great trait of Japanese people, you know. They were just interested. And they were saying, okay, we'll check him out. And they didn't leave, you know. And so when the set ended, uh, of course, we were selling the album at the store. They, they, they got, all of them got their a copy of Verm. And they, they went to, uh, you know, got autographs uh, taken from Bastien Manuel. And, of course, they, they, they would say, well, this is the rest of the band. This is Wolf and Mon. So we would sign, we would sign autographs on, on their albums, on their knapsack, on their backpacks. You know, it was, it was awesome, man. It was just awesome to go into a different culture and be accepted with no, with no pretense, no reservations, no no expectations. It was it was great. It was a great feeling to be like, wow, you know, it's like shit, you know. Um. So that was a uh, a great um, uh, event for the first day of the of the of the week long tour, <laughs> if you could call it that. So um, I don't really remember much after that, but I do remember. The trip going to Tokyo from Osaka, and we rode the bullet train, which is one of the best experiences of my life. Hey, sisters and brothers, I have a new sponsor, my friends Gary and Mary Lou from AlkalineWaterSoGood.com. They are international Kangen water distributors. Kangen water is delicious water created from Enagic's innovative water technology. Enagic is 56-year-old Japanese company with 40 offices in 23 countries, including an office in Manila and eight offices in the U.S. And it is the leading manufacturer of alkaline ionizers and water filtration machines in the world. Not only do these devices filter your tap water, but they also produce ionized alkaline and acidic waters through electrolysis. These waters can be used for various purposes, including drinking, cooking, beauty, and cleaning. Can you imagine never buying bottled water again? The plastic and bottled water often contains BPA and other chemicals, which are proven to be hazardous to your health. And how much fun is it lugging cases of it from the market, recycling it, and you know, plastic is an environmental nightmare. According to Gary, It's also a great way to add an additional income stream. He's been selling machines for over 12 years internationally, and everyone needs the healthiest water in the world. So, folks, if you have any questions about Kangen Water, check out their website at alkalinewatersogood.com. That's alkalinewatersogood.com. Or you can email them at gary at garyballin.com. Gary Ballin with two L's dot com. And I would love to do it again. Ride that train. And I am, I am so disappointed in the United States that this country does not have a bullet train like Japan yet. And they're not even thinking about it. It's, it's, it's really... <laughs> if you want to impress me, America, build a bullet train from New York to L.A., 
and then I'll be impressed. But anyway, so it was a great ride from Osaka to uh, Tokyo. It took four hours. And of course, you pass by Mount Fuji and it's just the wonder of the world. It's like, wow, you're, you're there and you're looking at it and it's like fucking Mount Fuji. Wow. It's like, bow, you, you know, you bow down in respect to that kind of stuff. So we get to Tokyo and uh, we're dropped off at the hotel, which is a really cool looking hotel. And our handler says that, you know, when, when, when bands, international bands come over, um, and not, not the big name ones, you know, like touring bands, this is where they stay, you know. So there are a lot of uh, artists, international artists that stay in that same hotel. It's a, uh, it's a go-to for, for uh, accommodation. And it was a really cool hotel. Everything in fucking Japan is cool, man. <laughs> and uh, so, um, okay, where are we? The hotel. And then we, uh, it was funny because <laughs> we, were, um, we had, uh, I think, three rooms and two people in each room. And every time we would go up to the room as a group, we would, you know, you would be um, walking on on carpet. So, and it's cold weather. It was winter time. It was really cold, man. It was really cold. Um, and um, we, uh, every time you touch the handle of the hotel room, you get static electricity, man. So it would be the whoever the, in the three rooms, whoever touches the fucking thing first gets electrocuted, and we all got electrocuted at the same time. It's like fucking never learn. It was funny stuff. Anyway, so we would hang out in one of the rooms and watch TV because it was just boring, you know. It was just boring in the in the hotel room, and and we usually would wait um, for our handler because we, we we didn't know where we were, and they were saying you know, it's like you just just wait here for us uh, so that we can just take you around first. Don't go out first because you might get lost and stuff. So okay. Um, so we watch TV in Mon's room, I think. And this is about 6 o'clock in the evening, 7 p.m. And it's funny because all the commercials are, are not, well, not all, but a lot of the commercials are all, especially if it's uh, for liquor or perfume or cologne or, or cars. Uh, these are locally produced Japanese commercials, okay? Not, not imported from America. But the people in the commercials are, are Hollywood actors. We saw, a, 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 I think, a Brandy commercial, and it was Bruce Willis on the, you know, promoting it. And it wasn't, and it was a Japanese brand, you know, so it wasn't a commercial from the States, you know, being shown in Tokyo. And there were a couple of other commercials like that with Hollywood actors. We're like, wow, that's, that's different. Never knew about that. It's side you know, side uh, side business for all of these uh, actors because I'm sure that's a lot of money right there. And what the funny thing was we saw, what we saw on TV was uh, there was this channel that was showing fetish um, videos. And not sexual, okay? Fetish. Fetish is different from sexual. So it wasn't porn. It wasn't pornography. <clears throat> um, it... Uh, so pretty much it was Japanese girls, young Japanese women 
in high school uniforms. You know, I'm sure you know the image. Mini skirts, high high knee high socks, um with the with the pigtails, the ponytails, and but this time they would be how should I say this? Like one like a girl would be going up the stairs. Just going up the stairs in this in this outfit. But the camera but the camera angle is up her skirt and it's showing her, her panties while she's walking up the stairs. And that's it. That's all it is. You know, they don't she doesn't she doesn't take off her clothes. She'll just walk up the stairs and then go walk up another stairs or walk or just walking and you know the camera is up her shirt uh, her, her skirt. So we're like, okay, well, that's weird. I mean, it's nice to look at, of course, but it's weird. And this is like primetime TV, 7 p.m., you know. And then another shot was this, the same girl or another girl. She was on a bike, a bicycle, and she was just driving around. But then the camera, <laughs> oh my gosh, the camera was uh, placed in the the base of the handlebar facing her crotch so the camera angle is of her crotch and her panty while she's pedaling the bike up her skirt and it was just bizarre of course we enjoyed it why not we were all men and we were just like wow what is this this is so weird man 7 p.m uh and it just it was just weird so anyway that was weird <laughs> so if you go to japan and you want to see local tv check it out that's at 7 p.m. you might you might see all those fetish uh those fetish programs <laughs> it's weird so anyway um like i said the whole week was planned for press and my gosh uh like i said before it was just one interview after another and it was all these music magazines um and they would say okay this is a reporter from this magazine a reporter from that magazine a writer from this magazine um it and it was and back in 1998 you know the internet was very new um it wasn't it's not it wasn't as high tech as it is now so magazines publications were still popular and since this was Sony Music, Japan promoting Wolfgang, they had to promote us on every single music magazine. And uh, I think every day would be three to four interviews. And when I say interviews, people, these people, these report, these writers, reporters, whatever, they research the band before they ask us anything they listen to the album Verm they read our bio so when they come to us with questions these are very substantial questions not like what we were experiencing back in the Philippines and uh, I'm not sorry to say this but interviews back in the Philippines they suck it's always like how did you get your name when did you start who are the members in the band? Yada yada fucka fuck fucka yada yada. And um they don't know what to ask 
because they don't really care about the band. That's the problem. We've had we've had a couple of good interviews in the Philippines, but most of it was really just it's like all those information that you're asking right now, you should have known before interviewing the band. The band is not supposed to tell you when they started when they're already eight years old. It's like you, sh- you should know that already, dude. <laughs> anyway, so um, apart, uh, I mean, included with all those press, we uh, we did radio guestings as well in two stations, and we were the guests of the two top rock DJs in Japan, DJ Masa, and what was the other guy's name, DJ. DJ Masa and DJ... Gosh, I forget the second guy's name. But these guys were the top rock DJs in Japan. And we were going to guest on their shows. And, oh my God, this is just it's, just... it's just amazing, you know? It's amazing when a record company really works for the for the artist. When they put their money where their mouth is to support the band. And uh, so we get on the first DJ. I forget DJ Masa and DJ. Oh, I forget. I forget. I'm gonna try and remember. Anyway, um, so he had a translator. Of course, we we always traveled around with a with a lady translator, um, because Japanese don't really speak English. They don't speak English at all until unless they need to. <clears throat> and like I said, when they need to, they will learn. <laughs> um, so he would field all these questions it's like the recording of the album blah 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 and i would be the one i was the designated spokesperson with regards to the the radio interviews and so i was speaking answering his questions and then finally he delved into the album firm and since you know sony music is is uh, was promoting it as a concept album the more interested Japanese are going to be. Oh, concept album, huh? So, he was talking about, he was asking questions about the album. And I finally, I finally gave up because I didn't have any more answers. I, I had to let Basti and Manuel and Mon speak because they were the one, they, some of these questions were for them. And I really couldn't answer correctly or fully. And I just ran out of things to say because this guy was so meticulous in his interview that I'm like, I give up. I can't answer anymore. This is too much for me. Manuel, Basti, you guys take over. And that was a good thing. I'm not. It, it's not a negative thing. And uh, it was great. And then I think I did another interview. We separated. I think the other guys did other interviews with publications or with another radio station, while I went over to another radio station with uh, DJ Masa, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna post a picture on there while I'm talking about this uh, pictures on on uh, in Japan. So DJ Masa is on the screen right there, and it was the same thing, man. Great great interview, great questions, and very hospitable, very kind, and just a rock and roller. These people, I mean, Japanese, they know they're rock and roll, man. I mean, they will give you a chance if they know that you're serious about your craft. They'll give you a chance. All right. So anyway, um, now where are we? So yeah, press every day. And then aside from when, you know, when press is done, 
we're all free for the day. And we just fucking... The right word for this is gallivanting. <laughs> the, the boys in Wolfgang are just gallivanting all over Tokyo. Of course, with our handler. He's, he's, uh, he's uh, helping us out. So anyway, we go back. I think we go back to the hotel first on one day, in one of these days. And we were walking from the main street. We got dropped off by the cab. And I, I want to tell you that the cabs back then, of course, until now, you know, we, when you approach a cab, they open the door automatically. And it was like, whoa, this is so cool, man. <laughs> you don't have to touch the door, I guess. It's a sanitary thing for them as well. Um, but, yeah. And another thing that I noticed when we would eat in restaurants, especially local restaurants and not not touristy restaurants, is that, you know, when you, you know, it's time to go to the restroom and you need to do, uh, you know, you need to do your business and you get in the fucking, the toilet's not there, man. It's not a throne. The You know, Japanese toilets are on the ground. They're, you know, they're, they're made of marble and all of that, but you got to squat on the floor. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, how the fuck do I do this, man? I mean, shit. Oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. And of course, you got to go, right? So, shit. Um, and apparently, nowadays, uh, people are discovering that that is the perfect way to take a shit. is <laughs> to squat. And if you want to take a really good shit, squat. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, that was weird. That was weird for me. But but very, it's it's great to learn about other people's culture, man. It's so great. I had so much fun. So we would go to restaurants, just excellent food every time. And uh, so anyway, one time we were going back to the hotel from uh, from all the interviews. And we get dropped off from the main road, and it's a, a quick walk uphill to the hotel. And while we were going up, um, I just felt like I wanted to race, you know, run and race to the uh, to the hotel. And then I just go, anyone, anybody want to race to the hotel? And of course, Manuel, being Mister Competitive, he's not going to back down. It's like. All right, let's go. So I just start running. He starts running, and then we run. We fucking haul ass uphill, and then we run into the lobby. And when I get to the lobby to get our keys, there are there's there's a group of um, uh, white people in the lobby waiting to get checked in as well. And they're all decked out in rock and roll clothes. They have spiky hair. One guy's got green hair. And, I, and I'm like, whoa, who's this? There's another band in town. And then when I get to, and when I get to the front desk, I, I look for my keys and I look to my right and right beside me, it's Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day. Green Day. And I look at him and like, oh, and you know, I don't say, I don't say anything, you know, I don't want to put him on the spot. And then I look at the rest of the people on the lobby and it's the rest of Green Day. It's Mike Durnt and Trey Cool and their, and their, I think they had two other people in their crew or three other people. And it's like, holy shit, Green Day staying in the same hotel as Wolfgang. Woohoo. Check it out, baby. <laughs> so, so, um, I ran back out, and the guys, you know, the the other guys were just walking. 
And I go, dude, fucking Green Day's in the lobby, pal. And then it's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? So everyone goes in, you know, trying to be all calm and cool. They're all like starstruck. And mind you, this is this is Green Day Dookie. I don't think the second album came out yet. So they weren't big. They weren't they were not they were not stadium fillers yet. They were not arena fillers actually or even maybe theater uh theater crowd but not an arena yet. They weren't that big in Japan. So they stayed in that hotel. So that was cool. So um we just got freshened up and then we went back out again with our handler. We just went and explored Tokyo. I'm going to flash some photos on here. And and then we get to a shop, a general shop, you know, where you buy useless useless cool shit. Useless cool Japanese shit. <laughs> you know that that kind of st- that kind of store, you know. Um and they had everything there. And of course, since that's the that apparently was the shop that all the handlers bring bands. Green Day was there too. <laughs> you know, they were there before us. So when we, when we, oh no, no, we got there. And then while we were going out, Green Day was coming in the, into the store. And like, oh, you again. But you know, I, psh, I didn't, I didn't say hello. I was too, I was too starstruck to even say hi and be friendly or whatever. So we explored the rest of Tokyo and, and what else would happen? So we get to Saturday, the day of the gig, and it's this. It and it's it it is in this um this small concert hall with that has a stage and no chairs, just a, a big space. And we get to our sound check, and the crew, the local crew is already there. Um, and before I say anything else, before we left for Japan, um, we gave our technical writer to for the show. And a technical writer, for those of you who don't know, is anything that the band needs on the stage regarding equipment, uh amplifiers, mic stands, mics, whatever you need, you put in your technical writer and you submit that to whoever you're going to have a show with. And they try their best to uh, fulfill everything. And since we were playing in Japan, they fulfilled everything, every single thing on our list. So when when we get to the venue, all the back line is already set up and the drum set is there. And the drum set that I used, I was just trying. I was just testing them if they were going to fall for it. But I pat the the drum set that I used for that show. I patterned it after the drum set of Neil Peart uh, during that time, which is pretty much the same thing, you know. Uh, maybe one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven toms from the smallest to the biggest. Seven toms, man. And then I had roto toms. I had four roto toms in the side. And uh, how many symbols? Five symbols. It everything that I asked for, they gave. They you know they they fulfilled it, and I was blown away. I'm like, how the hell am I gonna play that drum set? Because <laughs> that's you know my style. You know that drum set is a little too big for my style. But I was like, whatever. You know, balana. <coughs> Excuse me. So we do our sound check, 
And while we're doing our sound check, the, the, the technicians on the stage are listening to the monitors, the monitor guys just doing the monitor. We don't have to tell him anything because they know what they're doing, man. It was so efficient. It was so awesome. And my gosh, it was such a great experience. Anyway, um, so we, I think we go out to dinner again and come back <clears throat> before the show and, and we stay in the, the dressing room just and and it's cold as fuck. It is cold as fuck, man. Um, um, we had uh, we had a hair dryer. We requested <laughs> we requested for a hair dryer in the dressing room so that we can fucking warm our hands up every now and then because we know we didn't. <laughs> Being Filipino, you don't know how to dress cold, so we didn't have any glo- gloves. Our jackets were all fucking. Thin jackets, no, no, no uh, thermal jackets or what whatsoever. I think Basti had uh, thermal underwear, so he was fine. But I was freezing my ass off, and I had and and you know I was wearing shorts for the show. You know that's how I, I uh, my 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 stage persona was. You know I was wearing uh, shorts, so it's extra cold. So what? The style is so it's it's this concert venue is in a very busy street and there are uh, barkers outside the venue who are giving out flyers to anyone who's passing by, and they you know they're just saying banned from the Philippines Wolfgang banned from the Philippines banned from the Philippines, and whoever wants to go inside they'll they'll check it out for free because it's free it's a free show. So by the time it was time for us to play, we get down. Um, you know, there was a lot of, not, not, it wasn't full, but there was a lot of people who were there out from the street who came to check us out and gave us a chance. And, uh, a lot of the people from Sony were there, Sony Music Japan. So we played, we played 90 minutes, man. We played a 90 minute set. Um, and it was, it was fun. And, um, we, we could tell from, some of the reactions of the of the people in in who were watching, you know, they liked some of the songs. Some of the songs were like, oh, yeah. but some of the songs they were. I I remember distinctly remember some a guy headbanging to one of the songs. So he was like he he was connecting with it, and it's really really awesome to experience that when someone from a different culture um, connects with your connects with your music. You know, so awesome. So we end our set, work is done, we go back to the dressing room, get freshened up, go back out, everyone's in a party mood, work is done, everyone's from Sony's like, yay, work is done, work is done. And then our uh, our handler, um, he was the nicest guy, man. I really hope I can I can meet him again if he's, if he's, if he's still alive, you know, I hope he's still alive. He's a young dude, um, but he introduced us to his wife which was really, really sweet of him. His wife was so excited to meet us. I mean, they were all so great. And uh, so, yeah. But before I say any, before, (laughs) I completely forgot this. Anyway, the night before, the night before, the reason, (laughs) there was another reason why we were so excited to come to Japan in this second trip is because the night before, Friday night, 
Tokyo Japan, The Big Egg, Tokyo Dome, Aerosmith, live in concert. Fucking yeah, bitches. So we were like, you know, when when we find um when we first time we found out that we were going back to Japan, I immediately I immediately wanted to watch a concert, you know. Um, so I was like, uh, what whoever's gonna be playing in Japan that week that we're there, we have to watch them, and it just so happened to be Aerosmith, and I think the tour was for Nine Lives, yeah, Nine Lives, and they are a Sony band, they are a Sony band at the time. So we asked Wally to ask Sony Music Japan to buy us tickets and we'll just pay them back. You know, we'll pay them if they can score tickets for us. And we were like, okay. So when we get there and they they did score tickets for us, for everybody, including Wally. So it was maybe Friday night or Thursday night we watch Aerosmith in Tokyo Dome. 50,000 people. I have, This Tokyo Dome is huge. 50,000 people. Araneta Coliseum can house, I think, 30,000. So imagine 20,000 more people. Um, and it was funny because when we got there, we went to our seats. And... Um, we we got to our seats and uh there were there were there were pieces of paper on the on each chair so we pick we pick up the chair before you sit down and you start looking at it and it's all this it's all songs of Aerosmith and i realized it's holy shit it's a set list it's the set list of the show and i right away i throw it away because i don't want to know the set list before it happens i want to be surprised i want to be you know, I, I want to be taken aback by, you know, playing Sweet Emotion comes on and I don't know when it's going to come on. But <clears throat> apparently, the explanation for that is <clears throat> the Japanese people are just so interested in a band like Aerosmith. Like if their press tells them, though, this is really good shit, this band is really good. Even if they hardly know them, they're going to buy a ticket and watch. Because they've read in these reputable magazines, music magazines, or in the newspaper that Aerosmith is a great band. They're coming over. They're gonna have a show, and uh, you know they then people who research, and then of course they have the set list, so they know. Okay, this is that. This is uh, Walk This Way. Ah, Walk This Way. Okay. Oh, this is Sweet Emotion. Oh, this is Janie's Got a Gun. So when I saw the set list, I threw it away right away. I'm like, nope, I can't see that. I can't. I I do not want to know what they're gonna play. And the show was amazing. Aerosmith rocks, man. Steven Tyler, dude, he was doing all this kung fu shit, all this mar- martial arts moves. He was so limber. He was so flexible. He was so fucking rock star. Everybody, Joe Perry. Uh, Tom Hamilton, Brad Woodford, they were all, oh my God, Aerosmith. I, I was, we were so lucky. Um, yeah, it was such a great show. Anyway, um, so we were asking Wally, it's like, Wally, man, can, when can we pay back the, the guys from Sony for for the tickets? And Wally's like, nah, it's okay. You're cool. We don't have to pay for it. It's it's their It's their gift for us. 
And we're like, oh, okay, that's cool, man. Cool, cool, cool. But what we did not know. So anyway, going back to the show, we did our thing and we had a really great dinner and party afterwards after the show with the head honchos of the 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 main boss of Sony Music Japan and he was telling stories of meeting people like Paul Rogers of Free Bad Company meeting David Bowie meeting all these rock stars Freddie Mercury oh my god and he spoke English very well of course with a job like that you must speak English fluently and we were just having the grandest time because work was over everyone everyone who worked on this project was relieved that it ended well and we were just happy and so thankful and the next day Sunday we get to Narita airport and we go back to the Philippines and we get another stroke of luck that uh, there happened to be three open seats on first on business class going back to the Philippines and if we wanted to get them. And we were like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was myself, Manuel, and and our manager at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, we had champagne on business class uh, going home from, from uh, Tokyo. And that is... Uh, and when we got back, when we were at the airport in Narita, um, Wally Chamsey finally told us how we actually got those Aerosmith tickets. And what happened was, this is the sweetest thing anybody has done for me. Anybody. Even a girlfriend, because girlfriends or whatever, loved ones, they, they, you know, you expect them to, give, to be sweet to you, but these are total strangers. So what happened was, when the guys from Sony Music Japan, um, they found out that, hey, the guys from Wolfgang, they want to watch Aerosmith, and they want to get some tickets, and they'll pay you back. But apparently, by the time we gave them that request, uh, the show was already sold out. Uh, understandably, obviously, and understandably. So what they did was, the guy from Sony Music, I'm not sure if it was the head honcho or maybe just uh, maybe the second in command, said, we're going to pass our hat around and if any of you can donate your tickets to, you can donate six tickets that are all together, that would be great. And they passed the hat around and they donated their Aerosmith tickets to Wolfgang. That is the sweetest thing that anybody has ever done for me because these are total strangers. They don't know who the fuck we were. We never, we probably never met them. We went to Sony. We went to the Sony off, uh, music office in Tokyo, but I, I, I'm not sure if we actually met those people who, who gave up their tickets for us. And uh, we were just all blown away. And we just, we went home. It's another story to tell. And I really hope that I can go back to Japan. So that's it, folks. Another chapter of Stories from the Road, Wolfgang in Japan. I hope you enjoyed that one. It was a great experience. I hope I can get to go back to Japan, like I said, and uh, experience that 
that wonderful country and wonderful culture. So that's it, folks, for now. I'll see you again next week. Thank you very much for your support. Please, please subscribe to the channels that you're listening to this on and like uh, like the episodes uh, wherever you can like them because it helps me a lot. And thank you very much for your support. I'll see you next week. Have a great week, Earthlings. And uh, peace, love, rock and roll, legalize weed, and all of that good stuff. All right. Bye-bye. Love you guys.